This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Harden now. Harden going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hull and Back podcast. Tonight we're joined by the very special Steve Jordan. The guy does not need any introduction. You've known him or you don't. Um, but before we jump into any sort of questions with, with Steve... What I'd like to do is just say thank you to those that um, support ourselves. So I want to start off firstly with the whole badge man. And I mention this every single week. Uh, he stands outside the grounds in his own time and he tries to sell the badges to us on our way in. These could be uh, a, a, a badge from the day, which is whole city against whichever team, or it could just be the whole city badge, old badge, new new emblem, new crest, or whatever you want, whatever's on there, they are available. Um, the second one is Hull City Retro. For those that don't know who they are, and um, they recreate old shirts without going into too much detail from around the time when Steve was around. So, uh, if, if you want a shirt from around when Steve was there, then sorry, Steve. Um, but instead of paying the prices for an authentic one, which may be hard to get your hands on now, you can get them for £50 a pop plus £3.99 delivery. And lastly, we have. Um, Charlie Spaulding, filmmaker, local lad, going about it um, freelance at the moment, and he's worked with some brands as big as Adidas and with the, the people like um, Jackie Abbott. So there's another local business, show your support, and if you need anything from them, just reach out to them. They're all available to get for our Twitter page. What I'd like to do now is just go into a couple of questions, and hopefully we get to learn a little bit more about you, Steve, the background and what how you fell into this. So that's probably a, a perfect example how did you fall into the career of a stadium announcer? It's not something that I ever intended to do, gentlemen. Um, so my uh, my career is as a radio broadcaster. Down the years, I have worked many parts of the country, many radio stations. Uh, and uh, yeah, luckily, I do find myself as the current stadium announcer at the MKM. And how did I get there? Well, firstly, um, I know that, there are, that some people say, oh, he's not even a whole lad, he's not got a whole voice. No, I've got a radio voice, which because of, it's just something that's kind of just crept up on me over the years and I don't even hear it. 
um, essentially. But I am from Hull. Uh, I went to Annaby School. I went to Wolfreton School. Uh, my first game was in 1979. My dad, uh, well, I, I badgered my dad to take me. My dad wasn't really a football fan, uh, but I got, managed to take him. Um, the first game I went to was on a Tuesday night against Brentford. Uh, we won 1-0, Keith Edwards scored. And then my next game was on my birthday. At the end of the season, we'd be Exeter 3-1. Then I was hooked. And then I managed to start getting tickets from uh, Anderby School because I used to play football for them. Um, uh, and we had uh, many a good time with my friends on the South Stand. But I was one of those that would get there when the gates opened at half past one and just stand there and just watch <laughs> Woodbury Park fill up from half past one and just stand yeah. in the same place, just just so I could get my place against the crush barrier. Incredible. Anyway, left school, then eventually got to do the job because being a radio presenter was all I wanted to do, really, even though the... Um, Careers advisor at Wolfram said it would never happen. Uh, um, <laughs> down the years, I've been on many different radio stations. I currently work for BBC Radio Derby, but I still live in this area, so I commute. Um, uh, but at one point in 1999, I was doing a breakfast show on a radio station in Nottingham. Nottingham Forest were looking for a new stadium announcer. They got in touch with the station because they'd heard me on the radio, and they asked if I'd like to do it. Um, and I said, God, what work for Nottingham Forest? Of course, I would. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was combining doing the radio show five days a week uh, with working at the city ground on match days. Did that for five years. It was a chance meeting with somebody from Hull City because I'd moved back to Viking at this point or uh, the Viking building. I was doing a breakfast show yeah. on Magic 1161 as it was then. Um, and uh, it was a chance meeting somebody from Hull City who, uh, and I said, uh, nice to see you. I haven't seen him for such a long time. Uh, but if, if ever the job comes up, I'm working at Forest now, but I'm now back in the area. I only go to Nottingham for, for home matches. Give me a shout. The job came up. They gave me a call. And seven, 17 years on, here I am. So that's, that's in a nutshell, how I'm here. Well, it's... It to be fair, you've got probably one of the most iconic voices for anyone across all city. Anyone who supports all city, they've got mm-hmm. that's if it's not like that's the stadium answer guy. Like I know Gen- that voice. Genuinely, this is true. And I, I hate to say it, but I just think it might be a story to cheer you up. I went I went to a very <laughs> well known uh drive through a few weeks ago, placed my order, and when I got round to paying. There's a lad behind going, I knew it was you. <laughs> I was really happy with that. <laughs> Imagine, I, little moment I couldn't believe that. it. I see. Mm. Why wasn't there anybody else in the car with me so I could prove it? So if, you, if you are that if you are that lad and, and you are watching this, thank you very much because you made me very happy that day. <laughs> Did you I wish I hadn't that? ordered so much food because I thought, I bet you're going to tell everybody how much I've, I've ordered from McDonald's. <laughs> you got free Vegas. Did you tip him? Oh, don't. No, I didn't. No, oh, no. no I tip them. I, oh, no. The guy gave you the one thing you've been looking for. No, no. It, it's, co- it's COVID. It's contactless. He, he can't. It's, it's contactless. could save that. Yeah, yeah good. I've got that one, haven't I? Like Matt Ingram on the saves there. Probably. Um, <laughs> top driver. So, just, I know you obviously do the, the MKM Stadium, um, but do you also get other gigs from the side of that? Because I'm, I'm sure... I remember you doing, do you remember 10th Legion at the Bonus Arena? Did you ever do that? Like the, oh, the MMA? Uh, yeah. Yes, I did. Again, I thought so. 
I did. Have, you yeah. share the voice, remember, don't you? I'm not even sure. Do that's you know what? Well, that was a, I was approached by somebody who was Hull City fans here. I'd love you to be in the ring with your suit and the mic and, and introducing the fights. But what they didn't tell me, and I, I found it very, I think I did it three or four times, really enjoyed it. But what they didn't tell me is that in between the fights, the MMA fights, they don't come and clean the canvas. <laughs> so that the blood so towards the end of the last bouts, I'm literally in a lovely suit and nice shoes, standing on teeth and blood. Oh. And, and it's none of this has been cleared up. Oh. <laughs> just well, this is incredible. It's a COVID nightmare, isn't it? That's what. <laughs> yeah, we'll be. Yeah, we'll be now. Blimey. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure it must have all changed by now. But no, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that. that. Was that was something that came out of the blue? Yeah. I, it only came to mind because I was at the. Um, there was one of the the MKM on at this weekend. Friday just gone. Mm. I, thought, I, wonder if, I wonder if he's going to be there. I might try and get no, a selfie I, with him before and if I remember oh, me from Friday. Yeah, but no, I've done that for a good 10, 12 years, I think. Yeah. I thought yeah. I was trying to think back as to how long ago it was. But um, like I said, this this sort of context now, the way we're going to go about this is it's going to be questions all over the place and they're probably not going to make any sense. We're going to be from one place to another. So um, strap yourself in. Okay. So, <laughs> one of the questions that we want to ask as a, as a podcast is what's your thoughts on goal music? Oh, now, obviously, we don't play it at the MKM. No. Um, we did used to play it in Nottingham Forest, and nobody ever batted an eyelid because I think it, I don't know if they'd still do it now at Nottingham Forest. I haven't been there, I haven't been there since I left. Um, but it, it, I did it, but only because the guy who'd done it before me had done it, and the CDs were just in the, the suite that I would broadcast from. So I, I wasn't as. Um, dressed as well, maybe as, as I am for a, a whole city match back at Forest, because I wasn't really seen as much. I was I was behind glass, uh, and I would play a lot of the stuff in myself. So, yeah, it's just one of those one of those things that we never thought about. Um, it's obviously an, an American thing. I think there's a lot of American sports suit goal music. Um, personally, personally, um, I think. That, that obviously fans are making all the noise that needs to be made when a goal scored. And I think the natural ambiance of that is what makes, what, what makes it special. And I, yeah. I it can be, a, I think it, I think it, it's one of those things where people think it's just a bit too American, a bit too glitzy and a bit too, you know, it's, so from my point of view, not for me. So I've been to, I've been to a few stadiums. I think the place where I remember it the most at was Middlesbrough, but we lost four on that game, so we had it a lot. Um, but I'm I'm not a fan of it either. Along them yeah. lines. Mm -hmm. But going on from this, that that's that's great. In, in terms of the players, in so this is match day experience. You know, are you just as in awesome as we are with the players, or do you look at them like they're just colleagues? Um, I think back. I think back before COVID. I think, yeah, co colleagues, but special colleagues. If you see what I mean, mm. it's like because I still get a buzz with you know with footballers now, uh, etc. Incredibly so, 
and I, I thought I would have maybe grown out of it by now, but I haven't. But no, I do get, you know, I do get a little tingly. But obviously, you know, the last two years, last year and a half, not having not been in the stadium for a long time, and you know, there's no, I don't really have much of a. Um, uh, a relationship with any of the the players really they probably have no idea who i am and, and why why would they you know it's really so I think, humble so i think tom tom coming back you know i've not i've yet to speak to tom again but you know obviously back in the day we did a lot of things together because he wouldn't man of the match a lot and i was presenting him with awards left right and center so um yeah i think you know tom tom would probably i have more of a relationship with at the moment yeah yeah until things get a bit normal again hopefully so talking pre-covid years then mm. um we've also was obviously in the premier league and there was some phenomenal names coming through like who who did you kind of who did you want to speak to and who kind of didn't did you get the time of day off anyone from the opposition players or did you not really want to be seen doing that in front of your your colleagues <laughs> oh no i mean i always no, I'm very respectful. I just, I, I even even when there's in the Premier League years, you've got massive names mm. on the pitch, and when they're particularly before a match, when they're all training and you're stood around the tunnel getting advice on what to do next and stuff like that, and somebody talking in your ear, genuinely, I would always try and avoid eye contact. Um, even to that extent, I wouldn't. You know, but I you you would you would obviously get an idea in you in in your sort of the corner of your eye as to who it was that was walking past you. But you know, if I'd stood there with an autograph book or my camera out, it wouldn't <laughs> down very well. So um, no, it, it, it's it's not something that I ever wanted to do. But boy, you know, I used, I used to get very very excited. I can just imagine you know, the scenes like when. Rashford scored the last minute winner against us, and you've gone, oh, I'd love to have a chat with him as well. <laughs> Not now. But in them sort of moments, you know, you'd have gone, oh, I'd love that. Rooney's just walked off the pitch. He's like, I'd love to have a chat with him. I'm just laying a little bit about him, but you just can't do it, can you? I know when, uh, whenever, whenever Jose has been as an opposition manager, and of course my seat is essentially next to the away dugout, I remember the first time he came, I literally couldn't take my eyes off him because you just find him this spellbinding character. What he was still known as a special one then, though, wasn't he? Yeah, why, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is quite early on. So, yeah, why is he like this? Why, you know, and he just, just waiting to hear him shout or say something or, um, but yeah, you think, no, I should be watching Steve, watch the match. You meant to be watching <laughs> the match. Stop looking at Jose. <laughs> have you got any commitments in in the? I'm going to refer to it as a job role. Do you do you have any commitments in the job role, which means you miss some of the game? So, is there anything where you've got to be seen? You've got to go out the back and get ready before the, they come off the pitch, or can you literally watch the full game? Uh, no, I get to watch the full game, so I sit next to the way dugout, like I mentioned. Um, I do do other things at the club. So, uh, for those that are entertained in the circle restaurant. I'm in there before the game, um, chatting with ex-players about the game. And after the game, we've got quizzes and uh, games to win prizes from Tiger Leisure, that kind of thing. And um, back in the day, we'd interview the man of the match after the game. We're not doing that at the moment because yeah. uh, of protocols and stuff like that. Uh, and also before the game, we'd also used to speak to a couple of squad members that weren't involved with the game that day, um, you know, that were 
good of them to come up and, and have a chat, but that's kind of understandable, I think, and hopefully it's, it's uh, one that the fans realise and get at the moment. Is they're not taking any chances, and quite rightly. Yeah, uh, I think that when you mentioned about the players, did they used to come on the pitch and have that conversation on the microphone? I'm sure I remember something on the lines. <coughs> oh, I might just be making that up. No, I think I think uh, that the, the half-time pint you've been having is uh, has, is stronger than you think. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought, I thought pre-game as well. To be fair, I don't know. maybe that's something you could bring in when the, when the uh, restrictions drop down. No, when uh, no, we've I, I have done things like that at the end of at the, the end of the last match of the season before and and grabbed a, a few people. I know I remember doing the same with Andy Dawson at the end of his last game. Um, but no, it's not nothing like that on a regular basis. They're off. They're off the pitch, and and they're gone. They're, they're getting ready. No, oh, fair enough. So, what's your favourite Hull City moment since you've been uh, standing out? So, what you say live? You saw it, and you thought, "Wow, what's, it, what's been your favourite moment?" I think one long string of good moments, I think, have been particularly the early Premier League years when, when you were saying all these players and managers were just coming out of that tunnel. And, and yeah. as somebody who who has been a fan in attendances of, you know, at one point, I'm sure, just under 3,000 at Boothbury Park, to to find, you know, and, and realise that you've got huge television cameras pointing at every angle and 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 sometimes not just not just the UK is watching on Sky or BT, but yeah. the, the whole of the world is watching. You know, it's only when you know I've been on holiday to America and I've been in bars in New York watching Premier League football and thinking, oh, hang on a moment, that was we've we've done that. In fact, I have watched Hull City in New York. That's right. Yeah, we were away. We were away at Tottenham, and I, I went. Um, I, I went. I went to a bar to watch to watch City at, at, at Spurs. Which one was it? Which, which um, can't remember because there would have been a, a day of alcohol involved. Um, <laughs> I think that half-time part was a little bit too drunk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I, I only say that because there was a point where we played him twice away in the space like three days, and I went, remember going to mm. both, and we had him like on the Sunday. And we had him again in the League Cup on the Wednesday. Oh, like, oh yeah, no. Both. Are you talking about the the uh, the Giovanni goal? The when we he won the Giovanni goal, though. That was a 1 0. Which was the, who scored that one? I'm getting confused now. Giovanni, the 1 0 game in the first season, that was the first season in Premier League. That was just not the first season you're talking about. No, no, it was, it was I think it was uh, 2013. Yeah, second time back, I think it was. Right. Okay. I've got, you see, I'm older. My memory's not well. <laughs> but I would, right. I was at White memory. But because you said Sunday, you see that I remember that the, the Giovanni goal when we, when we beat Spurs up. I was, I was at White Hart Lane that day. I still remember that goal. Like you, you couldn't physically pick the ball up and put it more in the corner. Oh, yeah, you couldn't believe it. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. But I'm going to go on to something that I don't think many people know about you, Steve. And I don't think you shout about it often, often enough because this is an incredible achievement. But you, you was at Russia 2018 as a stadium announcer. Tell me about where the gigs. How do you get the gig? Where does it start? What, what about the feelings? You know, we all know about the news before and in terms of hooligans. What's going through your head? What do you do? There's so much. Tell me. <laughs> I will try and tell you as much as I can in the shortest space of time as possible. Um, so, there, <laughs> I was approached by 
a lady from a Russian production company in the March of 2018 on LinkedIn, <laughs> a private message. And I thought, this is a wind-up. <laughs> and then I replied as, as me being very interested, but in real life thinking, it's a wind-up, but I'll play along with it. Then there was a long time before they replied to that. And the, the reason I found out afterwards is because LinkedIn is actually banned in Russia. Okay. And they were using different ways of getting online to be able to contact me until we managed to convince them that it might be a good idea to just email me. Uh, and it was only a week before the tournament in the July that I, uh, June, sorry, when I flew out and, uh, and, that I actually believed I was going when I actually when they sent me the details of where to get the visa from so I had to go to Manchester uh, but luckily I was working in Manchester at the time so I didn't have to go far to go and get the visa um, plane tickets arrived uh, it wasn't until I was on the tarmac at Heathrow that I thought I was definitely genuinely going so they'd 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 sort of done a search for somebody like me then they'd watched a match uh, when Hull City were on the television, they heard me, and then then that's when they gave me the offer of the job. So essentially, I did ten matches at World Cup 2018, wow. four matches in the city of Saransk, six matches in Nizhny Novgorod, included, uh, which included the uh, quarterfinal between France and Uruguay. That was my last game before I flew home late that night. Um, uh, I did the England Panama game, of which I've got my greatest memento yet. Uh, mm. Which was uh, at the end of my time there, I got very friendly with um, a guy from FIFA who works for the MLS in America. Uh, knew I was English, and he was working that game as well, England Panama. And I have in my possession an unkicked reserve match ball from that game, <laughs> and best match ball. The, the actual uh, game stamp on one yeah. of the panels, on one of the leather panels, which I still can't believe I own to this day. Um, so, yeah, so I ended up, so it was like a four and a half hour journey in a minibus between the two cities. They put me up in two different flats in two different cities. I lived with a, a man called Dimitri for a month, who was my Russian equivalent. So so what would happen in, during the World Cup Games, I'm sure you've heard it on, on international games, mm -hmm. we have an English speaking announcement which is me and then the host nation uh tongue which was dimitri so he'd speak in russian but he he's he's very known well known in russia as an ice hockey um announcer okay. so, and then he's done the olympics and all that kind of stuff he's he's great great voice great voice uh but speaks very good english so luckily we're living together we got on very very well and uh yeah it was kind of like men behaving badly living in, 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 our, in our two flats between the cities men um, behaving badly abroad is that what it is? Uh, yeah <laughs> so we had just the most fabulous time i made a lot of friends there's a reunion being lined up in moscow at some point in the near future which would be great we get the whole team back together because there's a lot of people involved in putting it all together we'd be there six hours before a match for rehearsals which would go on forever and forever and forever believe it or not we'd have pages of scripts um, a lot of which I've kept and brought home with me as mementos as well. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely thrilled. But, you know, as I say, when we decided so the 6-1 game for England against Panama on the Sunday, and I'm reading Harry Maguire's name out, and I remember oh. reading his name out, 
I'm thinking, I wonder if he recognises my voice. <laughs> that was all I could think <laughs> when I was doing and it. And did he? Did he? Did he approach her? No. Uh, no, no, because oh. because I, at Hull City, I'm very near the players. I'm on the pitch side, but in in both the stadiums, I'm back way in the goals. Oh. I'm, I'm inconsequential. So I, you know, yeah, I was. I wore shorts and t-shirt while I was there. So there's no, <laughs> the there's there no suit. <laughs> I didn't need. Oh, Although I did, I did want to make an impression. So I did actually fly from Heathrow to Moscow and then the connecting flight to uh, to Saransk in a suit, and then realised that everybody was there was <laughs> so it never came out again. That's the only time <laughs> I wore it. Yeah, it's like the time everybody tells you it's fancy dressing. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. one of those moments. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's next then? Is is Qatar on the cards? Um, I doubt it because there's obviously a lot of English-speaking people in Qatar that can probably do the job at far less expense because it was very expensive to get me over there um, and and other people like me dotted around because I nearly went to St. Petersburg to do those matches and then they said, actually, if you'd be prepared to travel between the two stadiums, um, you can be here essentially for twice as long, I thought. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> so, so I sort of like I got scrubbed off from doing the games in St. Petersburg, which would have been lovely because the, the views at St. Petersburg are gorgeous. Yeah. But so I ended up more in the central area of Russia. So, um, yeah. But those those, those nights, I mean, so two hours in front, I think. So you'd have kickoffs essentially at at, at ten o'clock on the oh. night matches in the later bits. So they finish at midnight, and then sometimes if we were staying. In Nizhny, for instance, then we'd go out and have a right good drink and we'd probably roll in about five o'clock, which is fabulous. But sometimes we had to go, at the early stages, had to go back to Saransk for the game the next day. So oh. we'd be in a minibus till six o'clock in the morning on really bumpy roads. And that was quite scary. <laughs> I was very, very scared. So I'd, I'd just be sat quietly at the back of the minibus with my headphones in listening to podcasts from back home to make me feel a little bit. <laughs> I thought I might get homesick, and, and I did a little bit. But it was still something I'm so glad I did, so glad I did. So how, how were the locals then? Because we, we all saw in the news and the build-up to it in terms of England fans shouldn't travel abroad. You know, the advice was given, don't do it. How, how was the locals? Um, okay, so in the two cities that I was in, Saransk is a very, very old, up-and-coming city. It's not quite there yet. Nizhny, a lot more cosmopolitan, a lot more yeah. with it. So the fan parks at both. I decided when I was packing to go that I would not take my England shirt with me. And because I thought if I wear it and I get picked out, you know, I, I, I don't want to be in a position where I'm in trouble abroad. Vulnerable. Yeah. I went to a fan park on the day that I would have worn an English shirt. So the game against Colombia. So I went to watch it on a big screen in the fan park. And I could not have been more wrong. Oh. Um, every bar I went into before that and after, at any time I was there, because I was English, people wanted to talk to me. Oh. Um, at the fan park you had people there with different shirts from different countries I remember chatting for ages with some Brazilian people it was just phenomenal and I was so I was gutted that I never dared take my England shirt and wear it and um, so at the end of the, I, the Russian people were 
utterly wonderful, utterly wonderful to me anyway. I had such a lovely time and the people were, were just just really good, really great. So nothing like the, the some of the press painted out. So, no, so none of, of that, absolutely mm. none of that. And and on the day of the England game um, against Panama, it's the only England game that I did, the Panama game where we won 6-1, um, I thought, oh, we could be in I could be in trouble here. So the night before, I decided that I wasn't really going to go out drinking. Well, I was. I was going to go in a little area that, that not a lot of people would have known about. But luckily, I was with a, a chaperone who sort yeah. of knew the area. And I had no need to worry in the end because it, it was all fine. It all passed off absolutely fine. Did you think yeah. England could win the tournament? Oh, Did God. You, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Coming home. Yeah. What a time that would have been. Would you have extended your stay? Um, no, I got talking with a lot of English fans out there who were literally, they didn't know where they were going to be sleeping the next night because they were just banking on getting tickets for the next game and then getting oh. an, inter an interconnecting flights to wherever it was that they were going to be playing. So it was an adventure for them as well. I was actually quite jealous of them. But so if you remember, England's quarter final against Sweden was on the Saturday afternoon. Yeah. The first quarter final was on the Friday night, and that was France Uruguay, and that was the game that I did. I then, once that match was done, my Russian team took me to the pub for a few drinks. I then got a flight to Minsk and then connected to Manchester and then got the train back from Manchester back here. And I literally sat down with seven minutes to go to oh, wow. watch England, Sweden, and to me, it was weird. It's like I've I was there yesterday, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now like, like, and obviously my eyes are down here because I'm so tired because I've not slept. I don't sleep on planes, so yeah. Just and just it took, even now when I look back at the diary that I put up on my website with all the pictures, I can't believe that what that experience. was me. Yeah, one experience. So I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, but we have been asked by a couple of uh, followers on Twitter to ask a couple of questions. And the first so one... So <laughs> Yeah, so it, the first one's going to be from one of our partners, which is Hull City Retro. Okay. They've asked them, um, what do you miss about Boothry that you don't get at the MKM Stadium? <laughs> well, I, I never worked at Boothry. The, the only time I worked ever worked at Boothry was working for Viking FM. I used to do a program called Who at All the Pies, do a bit of commentary. Um, I'd also go during the week and interview people like Mark Haley and people like that. That's going back a bit. Um, but I, I think when when I got my dad to take me, uh, and then my granddad subsequently as well, we'd sit we'd sit in the West Stand because it was posh. And sometimes somebody would clear the ball; it would hit the underside of the West Stand uh, roof or the top of it. And you knew that in delayed reaction, <laughs> three or four seconds later, you would be showered with rust. Oh. I'll never, ever forget that. You'd literally be sat there doing this. And you, oh, you wouldn't no be just, yeah. So, but no, right. And I always seem to remember as well from Booth 3 in the West End, it always seemed to smell of cigars. I, 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 don't always, know. I always used to smell of cigars at Booth 3 in the West End. A couple of times I went to Booth 3. Um, 
I was still new, so I, I didn't remember taking any of the names of the stands in or anything. I couldn't tell you what stand I sat in. All, all I know is I stood with a barrier in front of me. That's all I remember. Um, so I, I can't relate, like, especially to the West Stand. If it was posh, we wouldn't be anywhere near that. Um, <laughs> so were you at the side or were you be- We're behind the goal? Oh, you're in the south. You're in the south. So I remember. Yeah, I've been behind the goal and we were there for our first game was Macclesfield, I'm sure it was. 3 0, we lost. It wasn't a good game. Um, but I still managed to get the bug even after a loss. So, <laughs> yeah. Grow, yeah. Growing trend. And another question from Hull City Retro was I think this is a bit of a tough one. It's something that I've, I've never had asked before. What do you think would have reached the same level of success if we didn't move to the MKM Stadium? Or what would you know? There's a state KC back then. Ooh. I think, I think from Hull City's point of view, the timing of the move to the stadium, which maybe had been unforeseen, was perfect because I think I think stadiums now, like ours, are quite common, but maybe not so much at that point. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the, I, I think appearance is everything, and 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 as Obviously, there is a lot of love for the old Boothbury Park. And, um, you know, like I said, I still remember the, the, the smells and the sounds and, 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 and everything that went with it on a match day. But I think, yeah, I think when, when, you, look at, uh, when you look at a, a stadium like that, what, regardless, you think, oh, they mean business. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought, yeah, that, that, I, yeah. I'm, that's, yeah, like you said, I've never been, never heard that question before, never been asked it before. But no, it's yeah, a very good question. It's, I thought. All, it's all part of the package. Yeah, it's one of those in it where it gave us a platform to kind of build on. I think it was a perfect yes. place to start building from. And without that, you know, you couldn't imagine going to, say, for instance, the championship with the booth with Boothry still. So um, they came hand in hand with each other, didn't they? Yeah. So this one's from. Um, at Dajinja, 42, he said, how did it feel to be back at the MKM Stadium this season after like a season uh, season with no fans? Wow. Very, I'll tell you what, it's been very, very weird. And I still think even now it's maybe a little bit low key. And I think, I, I just think it's, it's because people are, or fans are, only just getting familiar as to where they're going to be sat and how many people are around them. And, uh, you know, just, I think, I think even now in real life, there's still that little, just walking down the street, there's that little yeah. bit of, that little bit of tension, but my word, you watch any match on the TV. I was watching a, a non-league game on, uh, on BC at the weekend. And, and, you know, that, that was hardly full at all, but you could see that the fans in the stadium was having such a great time. And I think that's the same everywhere. everywhere. People are just thrilled to be able to go back through a turnstile, to be able to, to see familiar faces, to sit down in their seats and, and cheer, cheer the boys on. I'm absolutely convinced, you know, it's, it's part of the healing process. It really is. I mean, for some people, it's just routine, get back into that Saturday routine because they've they've missed it for so long. But you you mentioned there about walking down the street, and this is all city related, but I've noticed it myself. I live in Driffield, and a lot of the streets are really thin. So if you're walking down the street, you'll often find someone will either walk onto the road into traffic instead of walking next to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just mad how that's like become 
Guilty as charged, I do that. Yeah, and I mean, I've adopted it as well, but before I used to probably just shim it down the side, didn't you? Just yeah. you block it down the path, but it's yeah. mangling. So this one's a good question. Okay. From George, uh, at George Hook. He said, what has been the hardest name to pronounce and have you got any wrong? Now, if we've got any wrong, I'm not aware of it, oh. but I will tell you a story in a moment. Um, Gianna Coppola has got to be up there. Yeah, I, as has uh, Jan Vredegar of Hesselink. I knew you'd say which, that. <laughs> which I think I'm. I think I did once walk around us in a circle in the car park, saying it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> even though I knew how to say it, the thing was, the problem was. Because I'd heard a few people having a laugh saying Jan Vedegor of Hesel Road, I thought if I get that in my head, <laughs> I can say that. And well, as far as I know, that never happened. <laughs> but I remember for a while, for a while, I did, I did Hull FC as well for a couple of seasons, and I don't know what came over me, and I was actually reading it from the script. But if you know your rugby, you'll be aware of... Joe's a big rugby fan. Paul Cook, who left Hull FC to go to Hulkingston Rovers. And Paul King scored a conversion. And I said, <laughs> I said, with a conversion for Hull FC, Paul Cook. And then luckily... The crowd started <laughs> laughing, uh, and luckily for me as well, um, <laughs> the microphone had been left on, and I just went, "I'm really sorry." And they all went again. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, it's the only time in 22 years of, of doing this that I've ever messed up that I'm aware of. I'm sure, it was a point <laughs> if I had, but no, there. Obviously, I, there was one time when I worked for Nottingham Forest, they had a friendly against India once. But luckily, and they said, oh, there'll be some announcements in Indian. And I said, what? What? what, what? So it's Nottingham Forest versus India, the Indian national team. But it, they were joking with me. So when I got there, luckily, like the World Cup, there was a second announcer. Oh, God. And I, I gave him such a hug. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, thank you. I just, thought, I just don't want to offend anybody because you're going to literally give me a team sheet. I've got to learn in twelve minutes flat. So do you not like with with some of them? Is it not a case of a name pops up and you're like, I'm going to have to get some advice on this one? Or after time, have you just realised how some things are pronounced? Occasionally, and I can't give you an example because I genuinely can't remember. But no, uh, I no, it has been known. I will go to the backroom staff of the opposing team back through the tunnel and say, um, "I'm the announcer. I don't want to get it wrong. How do you pronounce this?" And I will write it yeah. down phonetically. But that's that's maybe two, three times a season. Because you you often see it, like in even with commentary, like. A, a big one at the moment is Bruno Fernandes, but a lot of people call him Bruno Fernandes. And you, uh, it's got to be difficult for the um, 
for yourself well, to, to get it like, back in back in the day at derby county had paolo one chop who for a while yeah. became paolo one chope because john, <laughs> that's how john motson started so it's like well who's right so sometimes a player can sort of change their name their pronunciation because maybe they've told somebody how how it's spelt how, how it's pronounced and then commentators etc start saying it a different way so it's like you start to doubt yourself so that's those are the occasions where you ask it's it's sort of like you know no how how do i say it because i don't want to get it wrong and make it sound as though i don't know what i'm talking about like another classic is jose and jose jose Mourinho, or jose Mourinho. Like, yeah 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 we, we see it often don't we yeah, and exactly. um so it's the last question. It's been obviously it's been a pleasure having you here, Thank Steve. You. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know this, it's going to come out on the Twitter anyway. But we've already done this once. Um, I just forgot to click record. <laughs> so um, thank you very much for your patience. Yeah, so, so, I really, so, really when, do. When we started this podcast, it was light behind me, <laughs> and, and you could see my garden. And and this whole one's been in the darkness. <laughs> and do you know what? To make it worse, the kid who normally does the uh, the recording, he, he said to me before, make sure you click record in the top right-hand corner. And I didn't do it. I was overwhelmed. I'd seen Steve and that was it. My housing lights. So the, the last question then, Steve. <laughs> uh, this one's by Joe Grassham. He said, what is the best game you've ever announced on? Oh, Hull City, Nottingham, um, International. What is the best To be fair, game? Nottingham spring to mind because the time I was there, it all kind of gone wrong and yeah. never really recovered and still hasn't. Um, I'm going to have to push you for an answer, Steve. The, the, I'm, I'm trying to get them in the order. The 6-0 <laughs> against Fulham. Um, mm. I do I do have some of Tom's hair. I was one of the first. <laughs> right. get some, so I do have some of Tom's hair in my loft as a memento <laughs> from that day in a little sealed package. Um, I think the, the the game where we had to wait for eight minutes added time to know that we'd got promoted. Oh, so yeah. the players are in Cardiff. the tunnel, the Cardiff game. And and also, of course, when we lost 1-0 to Manchester United on the last day of the season, but Villa did oh, the business yeah. against Newcastle and we stayed up. And then Phil Brown came onto the pitch and sang. <laughs> Took him now, off, yeah. Yeah, so, no, what happened was um, Phil... The truth's to, coming out. The truth's he, coming out again. He, he wanted to come... He wanted to bring the team out onto the pitch, but because there were fans on the pitch, he wouldn't. And uh, no matter what the stewards and the police were doing, maybe, understandably, couldn't get the, them off. And I was... Yeah. You know, didn't matter what I was saying over the microphone. It would go. So in the tunnel, Phil says to me, "Here, give me, give me the mic. I'll go onto the pitch, and I'll tell them to get off and say the players will come back, but you've got to go and sit back down." But in the meantime, what happened in those two minutes? The fans had got off the pitch and sat down. So the story is, Phil goes out, and that's what he was going to say. But he was like, "Oh, I don't need to say it now because everybody's gone." And then he started singing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And then I realised that he's live on Sky as well at the same time. <laughs> and I'm stood next to him, so I'm thinking, I'm going to back off a little bit because I don't really want to be in shot because this is his moment. So I sort of crab-like sideways walked away from him, away from the camera. I was thinking, you're in this by yourself. 
He finishes, throws me the microphone. I catch it in one. I can't believe it. And then, once all that's done, Alex Ferguson is in an area off, off, just off the left of the tunnel. And you'd think as the manager of Manchester United, having just won one nil against us, he'd be, you know, all football-y. But no, there was, a, there was a lady around who was carrying a baby and, and he was fawning all over the baby and like, what's his name? Oh, that's good. And, and I'm like, he's like, <laughs> like a granddad. I'm like, I'm so, this is mental. <laughs> I have no idea what is going on. And I even went to bed that night. I'm literally pinned to the bed. I'm like, did that day, did that day just happen? This, that was a weird. So I got a million and one stories from that day. So that, that day as well is uh, even though we lost it was one of the best days and also reading re reading the teams out because they get you to read the teams out at Wembley so you know I've done the the, the yeah. I've done the FA Cup final I've done the FA Cup final it's unbelievable the FA Cup final I can't believe it is 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 my is my old careers advisor at Wolferton School listening the one that said I would never make it as a broadcaster well yeah. FA Cup final semi final two playoffs which was what final was it? Which was sorry? Which which, which um, FA Cup final was it that you were at? Um, ours, by Arsenal. The, the one we're oh. not supposed to talk about. So they they so Wembley <laughs> has its own stadium announcer, but they whenever there's a Wembley final, on, they always get the stadium announcer from each of the two teams beforehand to read the teams out. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, but, but but to be fair, that is quite early on. So if you're not in the ground, it is probably that, not. It's about three quarters of an hour before kickoff, so it's not right mm. up to kickoff. So it would have been about quarter past two if it was a three o'clock kickoff. I can't remember. But well, each each time at Wembley, all City fans have seen me in the concourse and say, "Oh, let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a drink." And I've always said, "No, no, 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 no. I, I need to not drink because I want to remember." <laughs> And then, and then once I'm off the pitch, and they, they kind of escort you off the pitch and back to your seat, and yeah, then, then well, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll have a pint. <laughs> I, think, I think to to finalise on that one, then, and we're going to go for the Cardiff, the Cardiff game, David, no, I think not that, the, the Manu game, because the, yeah, yeah. Well, the Manu has so many different off off yeah. off story stories. Yeah, but I mean that, that, that eight minutes or so waiting to find out. If we got promoted or not, was it seemed like a lifetime? It seemed like a lifetime. We all remember the Elmo dance, don't we? Where oh yeah, he, well, yeah. he went crazy bonkers. That was great. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that's that's everything, Steve. I honestly want to thank you for the patience um, for my neglect for the record button. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> no radio show in the morning, is he? Uh, no, not tomorrow. Not on the day of the record. No, no, no. Oh, good. Well, like I said, it's been a pleasure on the board. I'm sure Nathaniel and Joel about the up on that one. Um, it's it's yeah. been amazing speaking. No, um, Matt, Matt, Joel, and really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. Really thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.